1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Samuel.
0: Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting you with every
2: sunrise. You can only thumb your nose at God for so long. There's eventually a price to pay. There's a day of reckoning for all of us. And so call upon the name of the Lord while mercy may be found. Because there comes a point when people thumb their nose at God long enough and God says enough is enough. That's why I constantly am asking the Lord to have mercy on us as a country. Because as much as I love America and wouldn't want to live anywhere else, we've done a lot of things to thumb our nose at God. And I pray for God's mercy because we deserve His justice.
1: The Lord's mercy is so vast and unbelievably dependable and everlasting, meaning His mercy will never find an end. He will never just one day decide you don't get His mercy and His grace anymore. In today's message, Pastor Gary will encourage you to continually be seeking after that infinite love and generous mercy we receive on a daily basis. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve, and grace is getting what we don't deserve. God has unlimited forgiveness, so take that gift with a thankful heart. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: There's nothing, you know, worse than coming to church and being met with like the mafia. They're shaking you down for your offering. And that's what's happening here. These, these priests, and by the way, their names are Hophni and Phinehas. We're introduced to them in chapter one. Uh, Hophni's name in Hebrew means boxer or fighter. Okay. So he's, he, they're living up to their names. Like, give me your sacrifice or I'm going to like punch you, you know. So that's Hophni. And then Phinehas, his, his name in Hebrew means face of brass. Face of brass, or it can also be translated mouth of a serpent. Okay? So you got you got boxer, and you got mouth of a serpent, and they're greeting you as you're coming to church. And like, give us your offering right now, you know, because we want it for ourselves. And so the people here, uh, they push back. They, they're like, you know, you should really burn it first. You should really, like, look, the people know the scriptures, and they're wanting to obey it more than the priests. More than Hophni and Phineas. They're, they're correcting them. You know, you should, really, you should really sacrifice that first to the Lord. They're like, no, give it up, or we're going to rough you up. And so that's the way they're treating them. And so verse 17, therefore the sin of the young men, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. ESV says, for they treated offerings to the Lord with contempt. So that's the first insight we have into their sinful hearts. They're like, they they did not want to worship the Lord, and they didn't want other people to worship the Lord. They wanted to take the animal sacrifices for themselves. They wanted the best of the cut of the animal so that they could either indulge themselves or sell it for a profit. So they're corrupt, they're wicked, they're worthless, they're sons of Belial, all right? They're around the things of the Lord, but they don't know the Lord, And then there's kind of a cutaway commercial, we'll come back to Hophni and Phinehas, but then there's this one section in here, verses 18 to 21, where it talks about young Samuel. And so we're like, okay, let's put Hophni and Phinehas on pause for just a minute, those two corrupt guys, and let's take a look at this little righteous kid here, verse, verse 18, but, but Samuel, but Samuel, you know, in contrast to those two guys. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Now, a linen ephod was part of the priestly garment that is mentioned in Exodus 39. And so this young little boy has been given, you know, he's he's like an apprentice here. He's like an intern. And so he's been given this little priestly garment that he wears. Must have been cute, right? Verse 19, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. This is a very precious verse here because it tells us how after Hannah and Elkanah had given Samuel to the Lord for Eli to raise in the house of the Lord, that they visit him every year. They're about 15 miles away where they live to where Shiloh is. And every year they come and mom brings him a robe. And it's a little bit bigger every year because she visits him every year like this. And as he grows, she tries to keep up with him. And, you know, I just, I'm, I try to imagine that whole scene of, of, again, perhaps the emotion. You know, there she is making a, a robe for little Samuel and maybe wondering how tall will he be this year when we see him she gets there to the tabernacle and you know there he is and he tries it on and and just the hugs and probably the tears and i mean this this if you let it if you if you just meditate on this this is a this is a tender story here mom being reunited with her son dad reunited with her son just once a year and just taking this little garment and you know, maybe she made the sleeves a little too long because she wanted them to be able to grow into it during the year that she wasn't there. I remember how many of you remember, I mean, I'm a product of the seventies and my mom used to buy pants that were like six inches way too long when I was growing as a kid. And then she'd roll them up. And I, I mean, you would, you roll them up. And then every year when you would start to grow, you'd unroll it. You'd have pants for like 10 years, and people could guess your age by looking at the rings under the bottom of your, your pants leg like a tree. I mean, we, we lived in a day when, you know, you, uh, pants, pants were, were yours for years, and if you actually tore them, your mom would iron patches on them. Now you have to pay for the tears. <laughs> yeah, you gotta pay somebody to tear your jeans because now it's supposed to look really cool. Back when I lived in the day, Right around the Civil War, they used to <laughs> used to buy these iron on patches and mom would be ironing them on at the clip, the corner so that they wouldn't, you know, roll up during the wash. Anyway, I digress. But I'm, I'm picturing Hannah coming here with the robe, maybe a little bit too big so that he can grow into it during the year. Then she comes back the following year and this goes on year after year in verse 20 says, And Eli, that's the priest, would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord, the the giving of her son to the Lord. And then they would go to their house, and notice this, And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters, in addition to, uh, to Samuel, And meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So this is a a wonderful thing. You know, for many years, they experienced infertility. And then she prays, and then the Lord opens her womb, and she asks Samuel. And then in addition, the Lord blesses her with three more sons and uh, two more daughters. And then, you know, Samuel is the oldest, and he's growing up in the tabernacle. I often wondered at the dinner table if the other kids, you know, were asking mom and dad, you know, like, why And explain, you know, where is Samuel, our oldest brother? And why is it? Tell us again why he's living in the tabernacle, you know, and and just that family conversation around the dinner table. But a very unique situation here. Well, now we go back to uh, the dark side, OK, uh, with uh, Eli and his son. So verse 22. Now, Eli was very old. And he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how, now look at what else they're doing here, and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. All right, so now we understand not only are they committing sacrificial sin because they're taking the sacrifice and they're indulging themselves, but now we see that they're engaging in sexual sin with the women who were coming to church. These are the priests. These are these guys here. Committing sexual sin with the women who came to the tabernacle. And so verse 23, so he, that is Eli, the dad, said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. Okay, so like their reputation is getting all over town here. They're, they're not hiding what they're doing. And verse 24, Eli says, No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? In other words, what Eli the dad is saying is, it's one thing when we sin against each other, and when we do that, that's bad too, but at least we can forgive each other and extend some grace perhaps. But he says, but when you sin against God, who's going to intercede for you there? Because when you're deliberately sinning against the Lord, this is an affront to God. Now, this looks bold of Eli, but it's not bold enough. And the reason I say that is because even though he's confronting his sons here, he's confronting them too late. And in fact, we know that he's confronting them too late because if you'll just jump over to one more chapter to chapter 3... There's a a scene here that we'll get to, but I do want to just quote it. When the Lord speaks to young Samuel, and when the Lord speaks to Samuel in chapter 3, verse 13, God exposes what's going on in Eli's family to young Samuel. And the Lord says in chapter 3, verse 13, For I have told him, that is Eli, that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows Because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Okay, so we have insight into this family. This wasn't like these sons were doing all this stuff behind dad's back and dad had no knowledge of it. And then one day it's uncovered and then dad is bold to confront them. No, What the Lord says there in chapter 3.13 is that Eli has known the whole time and he didn't restrain them. You know the time to restrain your kids is when they're young. Because every kid is going to do what every kid naturally does. We're all sinners. We're born into sin. Don't let your kids make you think that they're just these perfect little angels. They are sinners. They're just short sinners. Okay. (laughs) They're little sinners and nobody has to teach them to sin. They know how to do it very well on their own. You did too. When you were a kid, nobody has to tell you how to hoard your toys. You don't want other kids to get your toys. Okay, nobody has to tell you to lie. You did that on your own. Nobody tells you to steal. You did that on your own. I remember reading a book with our kids when they were little. I don't remember which one. I think it was Tyler. And I I was reading a little storybook, putting him to bed, and there was scribble mark all over one of the pages as I turned the page in the storybook. And I looked at him and I said, Tyler, now he had had no siblings yet. I said, who did this? (laughs) Who did this, Tyler? And he looked straight at me and he goes, Mommy did that. (laughs) Okay, it's the only one in the house. I'm confronting him. He's got no siblings. Mom's the only one not in the room. Mom did that. Now, I didn't have to teach him. Why do you lie and throw your mom under the bus? He did it all on his own because kids are wired that way. We're all sinners. And so we have to restrain them early on because by the time they get old enough to be sleeping with women who come to church, it's a little too late. So listen, parents, be parents. It's okay. If somebody needs to give you permission, not that I do, but I give you permission, be a parent. Like, it's okay. Discipline your kids. Train them in the ways of the Lord while they're young. When they get older, you know, it's going to be way too late. And uh, look, if they're on your phone plan, you have control. You have control of their phone, okay? You do. I'm telling you. I know from for firsthand experience. I don't like that girlfriend. She's not good for you. Don't tell them that. I just went on our Verizon plan and blocked the girl. That's what I did. (laughs) You can do the same and more. Locate your kid. Know where they are. You want a phone? shirt So that you can stalk them. That's called a parent. You're supposed to. Anyway, again, I digress. But I'm just saying... It's sad what's going on here in this story. And what's going on is a dad wasn't being a dad. A dad was busy doing the Lord's work, but he was not taking care of his first ministry, which is his own family. And so the sons were guilty of sexual sin as well as the sacrificial sin. Dad confronts them, but confronts them too late. And verse... The rest of verse uh, 25, it says, Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father. And then this is interesting, because the Lord desired to kill them. Now, how do we reconcile that? It literally can be translated because God desired to bring them to justice. You see, God will eventually give them what they want. That's what it means. It's not like God is this heartless being who just desires to kill some people and other people he, he spares. It's that when we give ourselves over and over and over again to disobedience to God, despite the fact that we've you know, been warned or corrected, at some point, God basically says, you want to be like that? Fine. I'll, I'll let you be like that. I'll, you'll get what you want. And in the process, they're going to be judged and God's going to kill them. He's going to end up killing them both in the same day. This is God's uh, ultimate justice here. You can only thumb your nose at God for so long. There's eventually a price to pay. There's a day of reckoning for all of us. And so call upon the name of the Lord while mercy may be found. Because there comes a point when people thumb their nose at God long enough and God says enough is enough. You know, that's why I constantly am asking the Lord to have mercy on us as a country. Because as much as I love America and wouldn't want to live anywhere else, we've done a lot of things to thumb our nose at God. And I pray for God's mercy because we deserve his justice. And so verse 26 says, And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and men. If that sounds familiar, it's because that's very similar to the description of Jesus in Luke 2.52. That Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And so verse 27 says, Then a man of God came to Eli. Now this is a prophet. This is an unnamed prophet. Uh, A man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father? Meaning Aaron, because they're of the priestly line of Aaron. Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me? Notice that. When we do not train our children in the ways of the Lord and discipline them when they need to be disciplined them with love, then we are actually honoring our children more than we are the Lord. Because if we really honor the Lord, then we want to instill righteousness in our kids. So the the prophet is calling out Eli. He's like, you favored your kids more than you did God. You let them get away with things that were displeasing to the Lord. You were dishonoring God in the process. So he says, why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said, indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that so that there will not be an old man in your house. Now, pause there. This is not literally cutting off your arm. To cut off your arm was an expression that meant, it was the idea of strength. The arm is the idea of strength. And he's basically saying, I'm, I'm going to cut off the strength of your family. Verse 32, and you will see an enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart. And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. In other words, in the prime of life. Now this shall be a sign to you that that will come upon your two sons on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day, they shall die, both of them. I mean, can you imagine a prophet coming to your house and pronouncing this on you? But this is what he's doing. And he says to him, this is what's going to happen. Verse 35, and then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. Now, in the near term, he's referring to Samuel, but in the long term, he's referring to Jesus. So it's kind of a dual meaning here. But he's like, I'm going to raise up someone who's going to be faithful, and it's not you, and it's not your household. You know, there are other descendants of Aaron, and so Eli's not the only descendant. His leg is not the only descendant of the line of Aaron. So there's, there's going to be another priest that gets raised up here, and and, and God promises here that that the priesthood should not stay in Eli's family, but would move to another family in the line of Aaron. And what we will see sometime later, many years later, in the reign of King Solomon, who's the third king of Israel, that he will depose Abiathar. Abiathar is a priest in the line of Eli under the family tree of Aaron, and Solomon will depose uh, Abiathar, and uh, he will replace him with Zadok, and Zadok is another in the line of Aaron. So the priesthood will change, and so this prophet's words will come to pass. And so it says um, there in the rest of verse 35, and I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, please put me in one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of bread. And so a very um, gloomy prophecy That is given here to, uh, Eli and to his household, and God will deliver according to his word through this, through this prophet. Um, but it's a, it's gonna be a very tragic end to this family, and God yet has always preserved the righteous in the midst of the unrighteous. Samuel will get raised up here. That's all into chapter three. Lord, we thank you for your word and, Different things that we can glean when we think about just the severity of, of our sin. And uh, Lord, how you are so patient with us. And yet at, at some point, we can only be disobedient for so long and then, and then there's your justice to face. But as we draw near to the table of the Lord, we are reminded that because of what Christ did for us on the cross, we don't have to suffer the consequences for our sins. Hallelujah to you, Lord. That because of your love for us, that we can come clean with you, we can confess our sins. And you tell us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there's some dark things that all of us are ashamed of. When we look at Hophni and Phineas. we're reminded of our own sinfulness. And yet, Lord, we're so thankful for the cross, your love for us, how you laid down your life for the sins of the world, how you took on the punishment that we deserve so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be cleansed. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your love that was demonstrated toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we thank you, Lord. And we remember your sacrifice as we draw near to you, Lord, with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message from 1 Samuel again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the teachings option, you can download our mobile app to stay connected with God's Word everywhere you go. You will also find our companion resources, These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you. While you're there, take a minute to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify so you never miss another message. You'll also find links with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you in person. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today, so put a marker in your Bible where we left off today in 1 Samuel and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time. Thanks again for listening to today's teaching right here on Cornerstone Connection.
2: They say you're a wandering soul